Welcome back to the Tasty Morsels of Critical Care podcast and this week we're looking at the other SES, the surgical SES, the old abdominal compartment syndrome. This is common especially in the surgical population and does not always immediately jump to the front of our cerebral hemispheres when it should do. And believe it or not there is a world society of abdominal compartment syndrome that has been on the go since 2004 and you can become a lifetime member for free if you want. Um, they even have a set of consensus guidelines published back in 2013 that provide a wonderful template for an exam answer even if they aren't um, necessarily supported by the highest level of evidence. So a few basics to start with. The measurement should be done by attaching a properly calibrated and zeroed pressure transducer to a port on the urinary catheter following an installation of no more than 25 mils of sterile saline in the supine position at end expiration. This is considered the reference standard though I do remember concocting some kind of MacGyver style manometer on a needle thing years and years ago. There is a grading system for the degree of abdominal hypertension with the higher grades correlating with the higher pressures, of course. But it's important to note that these pressures are in millimetres of mercury. And if you're using some old school manometry method, then you may need um, to use the appropriate conversion factor from centimetres of water. A normal intra-abdominal pressure is usually in the 5 to 7 millimetres of mercury range in the critically ill as a, as a useful reference point. Intra-abdominal hypertension is one thing, so having a high pressure is one thing, and it is worth looking for, but it's key to note that a high pressure on its own does not equal SES. To be SES, you need a pressure greater than 20 millimetres of mercury and associated organ dysfunction. So it's a good example of organ dysfunction being acute kidney injury. Finally, in terms of definitions, you can split SES into primary and secondary, with primary being the intra-abdominal catastrophe, where the surgeons find it hard to get the wound closed. Um, secondary causes are more likely to be related to medical illnesses with overly aggressive fluid resuscitation, otherwise known as iatrogenic salt water drowning, um, leading to edematous abdominal structures and high pressures. Once the diagnosis is made, then the guideline has split the interventions into five convenient categories, summarised neatly in a table reproduced in the show notes. I'm not suggesting these... This is the textbook or ideal way to manage SES, but they are certainly reproducible in a viva or a written type exam and it certainly covers all the bases. So let's split up, um, as I said, these interventions and categories as follows. So number one, evacuate the intraluminal contents. So let's put your NG tubes in drainage, enemas and laxatives to clear things out from the bottom end. So removing contents from the abdominal cavity here will lower the pressure. They even have colonic decompression with endoscopy at the very extreme end of this and I'll confess I'd probably plump for something like mean well before that. Number two, evacuate intra-abdominal collections. So if there's a 10 centimeter rim enhancing lesion on the CTE 10 days after abdominal surgery, then that needs dealt with not just for source control for sepsis reasons, but also as another adjunct to lowering the pressure in the abdominal cavity. Thirdly, improve the abdominal compliance. This is something we're kind of used to in intensive care as it involves deep sedation and even paralysis. So if muscular tone is worsening things, then get rid of it. Um, fourthly, optimise fluid resuscitation. Here it's time to unleash your diuresis Jedi or even maximise your ultrafiltration and get the patient in a negative balance. Fifthly, think about optimising perfusion and here they move into the concept of abdominal perfusion pressure which they define just like cerebral perfusion pressure as MAP minus abdominal pressure. These are all very nice and should all be reflected upon and followed when appropriate in your SES patient. But it is critical that you don't forget the all-important step that comes at the bottom of this algorithm. If all else fails, open the abdomen. In reality, I've only ever seen this done in the primary, the surgical cases where the belly is already open as part of the surgery. And somewhat like a middle-aged man trying to fit into an old suit, it turns out you just can't squeeze all the contents back in. One of the commonest examples here would be the open emergency AAA repair where the large retroperitoneal hematoma just makes it too hard to close the fascia in the skin. And they often return with the abdomen still open and I give thanks to the surgical, above, surgical gods above that they have done so. However, in the era of the EVAR, these patients are much more at risk of SES as often the 
belly never gets opened. Um, finally, just think about abdominal compartment syndrome in the patient with high airway pressures from ventilation. Um, remember, your kind of thoracic cavity is sitting nicely adjacent to your abdominal cavity. And if you're running into a lot of issues with airway pressures and ventilation, you really need to consider is the belly a problem? And can you do something about the belly to improve the ventilation? Okay, references here would be Kirkpatrick et al., Intraabdominal Hypertension in the Abdominal Compartment Syndrome, updated consensus definitions and clinical practice guidelines from the World Society of the Abdominal Compartment Syndrome, Intensive Care Medicine, 2013.